0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Here in Apologetics. I am so pumped you're joining us today. As always, this podcast is brought to you guys to support the podcast at Patreon.com/slash Adhere in Apologetics. Today, my guest is Dr. Brian Cutter. He's an associate professor of philosophy at the University of Notre Dame. And today, we're going to be talking about nomological harmony. Uh, Brian's been on the past to talk about psychophysical harmony, but today we're talking about a different, kind of, a different kind of harmony. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today?
1: Doing very well. Good to be here again.
0: Yeah, it's good to talk again. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, and to get things started, Brian, do you want to just like, in case people maybe missed the last episode um, or just need a refresher, tell me, tell us a little bit about like who you are, what you do, things like that.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm an associate professor of philosophy at the University of Notre Dame. I've been here since uh, 2016. Uh, my, most of my research is in the philosophy of mind and a bit in metaphysics and some philosophy of religion. Uh, as well. So um, I, I think about the nature of consciousness, and I think about kind of big picture metaphysical issues um, uh, connected to philosophy of religion and laws of nature. Um, and um, yeah, all, 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 all sorts of topics in, in, in metaphysics. So yeah, th- th- those are my main areas.
0: Um, and yeah, So to get things started, Brian, do you want to talk a little bit about like, what is this idea of nomological harmony?
1: Sure. So this, this idea of nomological harmony. So this, um, this is uh, based on ideas developed in a paper that was recently published in Noose that I co-authored with Brad Saad, uh, who's at the um, Oxford, I think, Future for Humanity Institute right now. Um, And the so the, the, the topic of this paper, I mean, the, the, the term nomological harmony, this is this is our term, but the, the fact that it refers to is the fact that the laws governing our universe match the contents of our universe. So just to give some examples, there are laws uh, about mass. There are laws of nature saying how massive bodies are to behave, and there are massive bodies for those laws to govern. There are charged particles, and sure enough, there are laws specifying how charged particles are to behave. Um, and, you know, as as we point out in this paper, at least on some ways of thinking about laws, it didn't obviously have to be this way. So uh, there might have been a universe where there are massive bodies, but no laws governing mass, only laws governing schmass, say, or it could have been that... Um, there are laws saying how charged particles are to behave, but no charged particles for those laws to govern, only only particles with, with schmarge instead of charge. Um, or it could have been that um, there are, you know, Newtonian laws, but the initial conditions of our universe are relativistic, such that the laws just don't apply to those initial conditions, in which case the universe would have been uh, stillborn or like, you know, nothing wouldn't have induced any temporal evolution or, you know, conversely, it could have been uh, relativistic laws that, you know, try to operate on Newtonian initial conditions, but those laws don't apply to those initial conditions. And so you don't get any kind of interesting temporal evolution. So the, the, the puzzle that, uh, our paper is organized around is like, why why do the laws of our universe match the contents or states of our universe in this nice way so as to induce temporal evolution? Why isn't there a mismatch between the laws and in, in the contents? Uh, so an analogy we, we give to just kind of um, make the puzzle kind of concrete or vivid is you know you can think of the universe as roughly akin to a board game or at least this is a, a natural way of thinking on certain conceptions of laws of nature where you know the the states of our universe correspond to game piece configurations and the laws of our universe correspond to the rule book specifying how game pieces can or must evolve over time and a universe with you know it's 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 possible to have like a, a, a board game with mismatched uh, rule book and game pieces. So a rule book for chess is not going to provide any guidance for how states of a checkers board uh, are to evolve a rule book for, you know, monopoly aren't going to, isn't going to provide any guidance for how states of a go board are to evolve. And so a universe with mismatched laws and contents would be a bit like a, a game with mismatched rule books and, in, in game pieces. Um, so the, the, what we call the, the puzzle of nomological harmony, or you might just say the question of nomological harmony is why, why is there, there this harmonious match between the, the laws and in the contents of our universe?
0: So we're looking at this idea of nomological harmony. And if I'm understanding it right, it's the idea of like we have these like uh, you could say like physical phenomena um, of things occurring. And we have these laws that like seem to regulate them quite perfectly. And the question is kind of like, well, like, why are these laws like helping things to like go about in like a harmonious way? Um, is that the question here?
1: Yeah, so, so, So it's not so much why do the laws make things happen harmoniously rather than non-harmoniously? I mean, I guess that's a question you could ask. But it's just why are the laws such as to apply to the contents of the universe at all? I mean, just like you can have a board, you know, just as kind of like most most ways of pairing rule books and game pieces are going to be mismatched such that the rule book just doesn't have anything to say about how these sorts of game pieces are to evolve. Um, It seems like most possible sets of laws And, you know, would just not apply to an arbitrarily chosen initial condition. So um, you can ask, like, why is it that the, the fundamental dynamical laws and the initial conditions of our universe match in such a way as to induce any kind of temporal evolution at all? It seems like most ways of pairing laws and initial conditions wouldn't
0: yield a match, wouldn't yield any kind of interesting lawful temporal evolution. So why is this then like such a like a striking idea? Like maybe some people are like, well, yeah, like things occur and there's laws and like so what?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so the 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 basic thought. Well, so for, you know, first of all, um, I think we we find it convenient. It's not strictly necessary, but we find it convenient for the purposes of the, of the paper to. Think of the the puzzle in terms of why is there a match between the initial conditions of our universe and the fundamental dynamical laws. Um, that framing presupposes that the universe does have initial conditions. I think the the puzzle still exists even if you drop that assumption, but it's it's it, it makes it at least for a convenient framing. Um, so if you think of the the puzzle that way, like why, why is it that the initial conditions and the fundamental dynamical laws Match uh, the reason why this is prima facie at least a little bit puzzling, or I think we, we, we shouldn't just take it as a completely unexplained brute fact. Is that um, you know presumably there are countless possible fundamental properties and relations. Uh, so if, as we ordinarily suppose, the initial conditions only involve a relatively small number of fundamental properties and relations instantiated at the initial state and the, the basic dynamical laws only concern a relatively small number of uh, fundamental properties and relations, then we wouldn't expect a match without some kind of further story, some kind of further explanation, maybe something that's prior to the laws and the initial conditions that explains why they match, maybe some explanation that involves you know an, an account of what laws of nature are such that given that account of laws of nature, we would expect a match. Um, but without some further story it, it it would be surprising for there to be a match here so it th- i mean that's that's the motivation for not necessarily finding it shocking or super surprising but that's the motivation for not wanting to treat it as just an a bedrock fact an absolutely unexplained brute fact like
0: it's 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 the kind of fact that should have an explanation that like these things arrange in such a harmonious manner it's not something that like is like necessary like it had to be this way so there's this question about like well why is there this harmony in, in these relations
1: yeah i mean if you think um i mean so there's, there's a there's a kind of standard way in which i think many metaphysical naturalists think about reality which is that okay we can we we have a bunch of phenomena and we can ask why questions why are things this way why are things that way and we give explanations and we can ask why why those you know why those further facts are the way they are and we we trace the explanations back but eventually you know explanation is going to give out somewhere and on a kind of metaphysical naturalist view the the place where explanation gives out is likely going to be well first of all, like you're going to like reach the initial conditions of the universe and the initial conditions just going to be, are going to be the way they are. And if you ask, okay, but why, why are the initial conditions that way, rather than some other way, they're just going to say, well, they had to be some way, and that that's the way they are. That's where explanation gets out. But then also they're going to say, and you know there are these fundamental laws of nature. Well, you know there's there's also going to be non-fundamental laws, but ultimately the non-fundamental laws are going to be explained in terms of more and more fundamental laws. But then when you get down to the most fundamental laws, and you ask, okay, why why those laws rather than some other laws? They're going to say, well, explanation needs to give out somewhere, and this is where they give out. Okay, so the on a kind of standard metaphysical naturalist way of thinking about this. The bedrock facts are gonna involve, first of all, the initial conditions are such and such specific way. No further explanation for why they are that way. And moreover, the fundamental laws are such and such specific way. No further explanation for why they are. We're just kind of pointing out, well, look, if, if we stop there, then we've got a very striking correspondence between the content of the laws and what's going on at the initial state. Uh, a, a strikingly harmonious correspondence. Uh, most ways of pairing fundamental laws and initial states would not correspond in a nice way, so as to induce temporal evolution. Um, this seems to cry out for explanation. Um, I mean, I like, I, I I totally agree with the point that explanation needs to give out somewhere. Um, but you know, plausibly, it it shouldn't give out somewhere where there seems to be facts that seem to cry out for explanation. It shouldn't, you know, it, it, it shouldn't give out somewhere that has the appearance of a striking coincidence. That's why I don't think we should
0: take harmony as just an unexplained brute fact. So is the idea then like, so maybe some people want to say like these physical laws and like the states um, would be a brute fact. And is the problem with that, if I'm understanding you, is it that like, it's kind of like, well, like why, like, it seems like such a, Like maybe like an arbitrary place to stop and would that like that's the case would that be because of like the quantity of like um the things that we find that are like nomologically harmonious or like like what's the deal there
1: yeah um so the worry about treating it as a brute fact is not so much that it seems arbitrary i mean you know maybe what whatever the explanatory stopping point is it's going to seem arbitrary that things are that way rather than some other way um it's that it seems to involve a striking coincidence. So you know um if if I throw a bunch of pebbles on the ground and they fall in some very specific random seeming arrangement, you can ask okay why did they fall in that exact arrangement rather than some other And you know may, maybe all I can say is well I had to they had to fall in some arrangement. That's just how they fell. There's nothing. There's there's nothing more to say, and that could be a perfectly adequate answer. Um, but suppose I throw the rocks and they spell out a message, or they fall all in a perfectly straight line, or they fall in such a way as to carve out a perfect circle, or 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 some kind of special arrangement like that. Here we think like we shouldn't just take it as a uh, as an unexplained fact that they they have that arrangement. Why? Because this is a very special arrangement. It would be a very striking coincidence if, you know, they they just happened to fall in that pattern without further explanation. So the the, the broader point here is we have intuitions about what kinds of facts or patterns call out out for explanation and which don't. Uh, the ones that seemingly call out for explanation, that absent explanation would be a striking coincidence, these are the kinds of facts that we should not take as brute. We should expect to have some explanation. And, and the claim, at least, is um, that be, it, yeah, it, the the existence of a match between the fundamental dynamical laws and the initial conditions is the kind of fact that would be a striking coincidence absent some further explanation. Not every pairing of laws and initial conditions would make for a, a striking coincidence. Um, that, so the claim here is not just you shouldn't have unexplained facts. That's I, I think that, that that's not a, a, a plausible view. Um, the claim is you shouldn't have unexplained facts in your worldview when those facts absent explanation would involve a striking coincidence. And that, we
0: argue, is the case here. Okay, I think I'm tracking with you. I got a phone call in the middle of this interview and I forgot to, or when you were responding right there, and I forgot to put my phone on Do Not Disturb. So I was like panicking silently. I'm like, turn off, decline, 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 decline. We're talking about nomological harmony here. I got other things to do. Um, But so, okay, so if I'm tracking with you, like, so the idea is like, I'm going back to this idea of like the perfect circle. Um, Like when we're dealing with nomological harmony, like what we see is like a perfect circle where, where everything does line up. So then the question becomes like, well, there seems like if that's the case, kind of like if you throw the pebbles and you get, um, say, like a smiley face or a perfect circle or some design, um, we would think there is some further explanation for like why that's the case. And with nomological harmony, we're seeing a similar thing here. Yeah, Yeah, basically
1: that's that's the thought. I mean, and and so far this is just kind of framing the problem. I mean, the paper is just saying here's a fact that seems to call out for explanation. Now let's go on and canvas the, the space of possible explanations. And what we go on to argue is that the best explanation, we, we look at, well, basically three classes of, of, of explanation. And what we go on to argue is the, the most plausible explanation for nomological harmony is going to involve what we call a third factor, it's going to be a third factor explanation, which means that there's going to be some entity that's explanatorily prior to the initial conditions and the basic dynamical laws that explains why there's a match between them. And there's different versions of the third factor explanation, one version would be theistic, that God is is, is the relevant third factor, who... Um, is kind of prior to the the laws of the universe and the initial conditions and explains why they would match there are non-theistic third factor explanations but that's that's at least the kind of explanation that we think uh is is most plausible but there are a range of other explanations um that are
0: uh that i'm happy to talk about so why do you think, like, one idea is, like, maybe it's, like, actually not unexpected that there would be nomological harmony. So mm-hmm. do you want to kind of, like, frame this idea that, like, well, maybe, like, the, yes, everything is, like, nomologically harmonious, but that's just, like, kind of the way we'd expect it to be. Um, why is it so unexpected? Like, what are your thoughts here, Brian?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of what what we say in the paper is, so there's, there's different philosophical accounts of, of what laws of nature are. Um, so a kind of standard three-way division here is you've got Humean accounts, you've got powers-based accounts, and you've got governing accounts. And, uh, basically we think that, that it's most surprising if you accept a governing conception of law, um, or at least it, it, it poses the, the biggest challenge, um, But some of these other conceptions of laws of nature maybe render it uh, maybe render the existence of nomological harmony unsurprising. But then we argue that even though these alternative conceptions of laws uh, can um, explain nomological harmony, nonetheless, they they posit entities that themselves call out for explanation and invite explanation in terms of the kinds of third factor that we want want to push us towards. but I mean, again, the at least if you accept what's what sometimes called a, a governing conception of laws, where laws are sort of entities that you can think of as outside of the concrete universe, but somehow shape or structure what happens within the, the concrete universe. Um, well, you know, laws have to do with like certain fundamental properties and relations. And the initial conditions involve a certain relatively small set of Fundamental properties and relations, and there's countless possible fundamental properties and relations that could figure in the initial conditions and could figure in the 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 fundamental laws. For most ways of filling out the laws and the initial conditions, there would not be a match, and that's why it would be surprising, absent some further story, that there that there would be a match. I mean, that's that that's that's the basic intuition.
0: Okay. So what about the idea then like that there is like some sort of like maybe like meta law that like establishes nomological harmony? Um, So like maybe there's this idea that like, well, sure, like there's a bunch of like maybe like individual instances we see of nomological harmony, but maybe there's like some connection or some greater law um, that could kind of like explain everything that's going on with nomological harmony.
1: Yeah, good. So um – this this is a kind of explanation that we talk about when in in the context of third factor explanations. So this would this would qualify as a as a third factor explanation. Um, and there's different there's different ways that this story could go. So the most flat-footed simplistic story here would just be um, the the explanation for why the basic dynamical laws match the initial conditions. Is just there's a meta law, a kind of higher order law, that says the initial conditions and basic dynamical laws must match, or something, some something along those lines. Um, so, it, in effect, this is a law constraining what the laws, what what the other laws must be like. Um, so, I mean, I I think you know that that could perfectly well explain. Nomological harmony. Um, I mean, in general, if you have any puzzling phenomenon, you can just posit that there exists a law that delivers up exactly that puzzling phenomenon. Um, I don't think this is the most plausible version of, of the meta law view. A, a somewhat more attractive version, I think, is going to be like an axiarchic meta law. Um, so, an axiarchic meta law would say, you know, that there, there's a law to the effect that um, the initial conditions and dynamical laws be such as to promote the good, or or something along those lines. This is something that like an th- those who are attracted to like atheistic forms of axiarchism, if people are familiar with that term, might might be attracted to to some picture along these lines. So this is a view that um, Derek Parfit discusses sympathetically in 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 a, a famous paper called "Why Anything? Why This?" Um, and the the, the basic thought would be, well, since, since nomological harmony is a prerequisite in order for the universe to exhibit any interesting temporal evolution at all of a lawful nature, um, then nomological harmony is going to be a precondition for basically anything of value. And so an axiarchic meta law that kind of biases the laws and initial conditions to be such as to promote the good um, would, would predict nomological harmony. And you know one, one nice feature of this view is it could potentially give a unified explanation of both nomological harmony and other puzzling facts like the existence of cosmological fine tuning, the fact that certain basic physical parameters seem to fall within a very narrow uh, range that allow for the emergence of life. Um, so, um, w- one of the things that we have an eye on throughout this paper is this connection to cosmological fine tuning. Um, you know, co- cosmological fine tuning is one of these issues that you know a lot of people, including us, think like we, we shouldn't take this as a brute fact. Um, some like if you if you're like an atheist and you think that our universe is the only universe there is, then basically you're saddled with the view that the cosmological fine-tuning for life is just a brute unexplained fact. We think that 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 view is is pretty implausible. And so, you know, one thing we have an eye on is whether there might be some kind of unified explanation that both accounts for nomological harmony and cosmological fine-tuning. So theism would be one option here. Um, You know, given theism, that would Plausibly predict both uh, fine-tuning for life, or at least the, the the life-permitting character of the universe, and it would predict nomological harmony. But theism is not the only view with this property. So, the, this this idea that there might be an, an axiarchic or value-involving meta-law also arguably has this feature that it can explain both nomological ha- harmony and cosmological fine-tuning in one theoretical stroke. So, I think that's that's a that's a kind of theoretical advantage of of, of this view, over at least some alternatives, um, you know, another another view that we we talk about that arguably has this feature is certain variations on the multiverse hypothesis. So, um, if you posit a certain kind of multiverse, where like maybe there's this vast collection of uh, of universes, and um, and maybe the majority of them have mismatched laws and initial conditions but given a large and sufficiently varied uh, set of universes it's no surprise that at least some of them have have matching laws and initial conditions and then within that set maybe it's no surprise that some of them would be fine tuned for life and so on that, that that's that's another view with this flavor that that could potentially give a unified explanation of kind of two f- kind of puzzling phenomena
0: that seem to to cry out for explanation Okay, that's super helpful. So when we're thinking about like the idea of like there being a meta law, um, we're looking at something that like um, maybe this could be an explanation for nomological harmony. But then we have to ask like what would explain maybe like this meta law um, and mm-hmm. not leave it as something that's brute. And then that's when you're going to have things like our views such as like theism uh, or the view of like axiarchism, which will like be propped up more as things that would or views that would explain nomological harmony.
1: Yeah. Um, so you're thinking, if we posit a meta law, we can always ask of that meta law what what explains that is. And, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, so
1: the we're in the territory of asking, you know, what what sorts of things or facts should is, is it reasonable to take as bedrock, or not admitting of further explanation? Um, and yeah, I mean, so the, I mean that that's just kind of fundamentally what what this question is is all about. And you know, one view is just well, the the, the meta law itself could be explanatorily basic. Um, now, what what would necessarily be wrong with that? I mean, if you're a theist, you think, well, no, laws are not going to be explanatorily basic. Something about God's existence and nature is going to be the explanatorily bedrock thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we we at least want to consider, and, and that's that's ultimately the view that I that I accept, but we we at least uh, sympathetically consider views in in this paper on which well, it it, it might be okay to take certain kinds of laws as explanatorily bedrock, such that if you ask, okay, but why why that law rather than some other? Why why is that law the way it is? The answer is well, there's there's no further explanation. Explanation needs to bottom out somewhere, and I say that it bottoms out here. Now, when is it okay to do that? Well, I mean, I think here the the kind of standard theoretical virtues are going to come into play like the any any law that's treated as absolutely bedrock probably should have a degree of parsimony to it um it probably should have kind of broad explanatory power that that i think is the big problem with just the simple meta law that says um you know, the the laws and initial conditions must match. Like, that would certainly explain nomological harmony, but it wouldn't explain much much else. Whereas I think theism uh, potentially has much broader explanatory power. It wouldn't just explain nomological harmony, but could also explain puzzling facts like cosmological fine-tuning, the existence of moral knowledge, psychophysical harmony, the existence of consciousness, religious experience, and and, and so on. And, you know, ultimately, that's those are the considerations that convince me of of theism. Is the kind of broad explanatory power that that theism has? Um, can it? Yeah, it, it, it's its ability to explain a a wide range of puzzling phenomena that seem to call for explanation and which rival metaphysical views can't can't explain. But you know, it, in, in general, it's it's a very hard question. Like, when is it okay to treat something as absolutely basic or bedrock? Um, and, you know, I, I I think it's kind of hard to rule out a priori the idea that, yeah, you know, maybe some meta law could be explanatorily basic. I think you just need to, it's, it, it's going to be a matter of like weighing up costs and benefits of different developed views. So if someone can come up with a view on which like, here's my meta law and it's got just as much explanatory power as... As, as, as theism, and it's got just as much simplicity and other theoretical virtues. Well, yeah, th- then we can have a discussion. I, I, I don't think there's any kind of a priori objection in advance to, to seeing the details worked out um, to, to the view that some, some meta-law could be basic.
0: So, Here's another idea. Uh, what about the idea that, like, maybe the initial conditions of the universe could explain psychophysical? Or Sorry, sorry. I was thinking psychophysical. Um, nomological harmony. Um, maybe somehow, in which she perform these initial conditions, are going to cause whatever explains this idea of nomological harmony. What are your thoughts here, Brian?
1: Yeah, good. So we we consider variations on this idea in the paper. I mean, on the face of it, this doesn't. Seem very promising. Like the the way we ordinarily think about um, kind of lawful explanation is, well, you you've got like your initial state of your system, and then you've got your laws, and the laws say how the system evolves given it, given the way it starts out. Um, we don't ordinarily think that the initial state of the system explains why the laws are the way they are. Um, it like the The initial state of the system doesn't even seem the right kind of thing to explain why why we have these fundamental laws rather than others. Now that said, there are some views that give you a a picture, something in the vicinity. So here, I think the um, the most relevant view would be Humean conceptions of laws, where so the Humean someone who accepts a a Humean conception of laws thinks that laws of nature are just you are, are are just uh, generalizations, kind of you know, s- succinct, informative generalizations about patterns that contingently hold across space and time. And so it's it's not so much that the initial conditions explain the laws, but it's the whole pattern of events across space and time that explain the laws. That's that's the basic ground of the law. So we we start with what's what's called like a Humean mosaic, which is just the kind of pattern of events or qualities across all of space and time, and we notice that we can give succinct, informative summaries of these patterns using certain Descriptive generalizations. And um, according to the Humean, the generalizations that figure in the best systematization of nature will count those as laws, where the best systematization of nature is the axiomatic system that best balances virtues like informativeness and simplicity is, is the thought. So basically, can we give a highly compressed summary of patterns that we find across space and time? The generalization that capture the, the generalizations that the capture in the most succinct way, those patterns were going to count as laws. Okay. Given that conception of laws of nature, it, well, it's not so much the initial conditions explaining the laws, but it's the whole pattern of events across space and time that that explains the laws. And given that conception of laws of nature, you, it's, it's totally expected that there would be a match between the laws and the contents of the universe. And so nomological harmony is kind of unsurprising given that there are laws of nature at all. But that qualification is important. So what what's surprising on the Humean view is that the universe exhibits lawful regularities at all. Like what it, what 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 seems like a cosmic coincidence on the Humean view is that there are laws of nature at all. That the the qualities throughout the cosmos are such as to fall into nice, easily describable, tidy general patterns and the same patterns across all parts of space and time. That's the thing that that seems to call out for explanation. Um, so I I think I, I personally think like this is not a reason to reject a human conception of Laws. I'm I'm open to a kind of Humean best systems conception of laws, uh, but I do think it's a reason to reject um, the kind of standard naturalistic Humean metaphysics, which says there's nothing to reality beyond this four-dimensional mosaic of events and qualities. Um, there's there's nothing to reality beyond the Humean mosaic. I think that's not a plausible view because um, that that leaves it a cosmic coincidence that the Humean mosaic would fall into these nice, tidy, easily describable patterns. That's something that seems to call out for explanation. It it shouldn't be left as a brute, unexplained fact, but standard naturalistic Humean metaphysical views do take that to be an unexplained brute fact, and so we we should reject them. So I think if we accept a Humean conception of laws, that should be combined with some kind of third factor story where there's something prior to the humean mosaic that explains why it exhibits lawful regularities at all um so you know some kind of theistic story m- might do the trick there or other kinds of non-naturalistic stories but i think um yeah given a human conception of laws uh y- you should not accept kind of standard naturalistic metaphysics
0: okay that's super helpful um one thing I've been thinking about here, Brian, as we've gone through this interview is like you've been on the past to talk about psychophysical harmony. Um, what's the relationship here? Like you have this uh, this idea of nomological harmony um, and you've talked about psychophysical harmony a lot in the past. Uh, are there similarities, differences? Like if we were comparing and contrasting these, could you talk a little bit about like what's going on? Yeah, good. Um so there's not a huge amount of
1: connection between them. I mean, they're definitely totally separate issues. Um, but, you know, they, they both have the name Harmony in them. And why do they have the name Harmony in them? Well, because they involve two or more distinct things that kind of fit with one another in a, a nice suspiciously fortunate way. Um, And in you know, in 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 both cases, I I want to argue that the the existence of this kind of harmonious correspondence between two or more distinct things is not the kind of thing that should be taken as a brute or unexplained fact. And once, we, once we're convinced not to take this as a, a brute fact, that pushes us, I think, away from naturalistic metaphysics towards some kind of non- naturalistic view, maybe theism or maybe something adjacent to that. Um, so that that, I think is the the main connection. So as as we've talked about before, I have this paper with, Dustin Crummett, where we argue that psychophysical harmony, which is basically the kind of fortunate correspondence between uh, phenomenal states and, and physical states, um, that this is evidence for for theism. I also think that nomological harmony is is evidence for theism. In both cases, I I, I think it's it's not clearly better evidence for theism than certain other non-naturalistic views like. Um, Axiarchic forms of atheism, or you know, uh, well, just, uh, maybe, maybe design hypotheses where the designer is not, you know, doesn't have all the omni attributes or whatever. Um, but I think it, 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 in in both cases, we have a prima facie puzzling fact or phenomenon that calls out for explanation, and the best explanations are going to be non-naturalistic in character.
0: Brian, anything else you want to say about nomological harmony before we start to wrap up here? Um, Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, maybe it's worth mentioning one other potential explanation for nomological harmony and why I think it's kind of unsatisfactory on its own and why it pushes us still towards the, the kind of third factor view that I like. And this is this is a view that accepts a powers conception of laws. So the powers conception of laws says that laws of nature are just descriptions of the causal powers that natural properties essentially confer on their bearers. So on this kind of view, you know, if it's a law that massive things resist acceleration that reflects the fact that it lies in the essence of mass that whatever has it thereby has the power to resist acceleration or if it's a law that negatively charged particles repel one another that reflects something about the essence of this property negative charge namely that whatever has it thereby has the power to repel other things that have it um and what we call laws of nature are just kind of these descriptions of the the essential causal powers of conferred by these properties um, Now, if we say, look, we're only going to count a generalization as a law if it pertains to some actually instantiated property, if it describes the causal powers of some actually instantiated property, then it's no surprise that there would be a match between the laws and the actual contents of the universe. Nonetheless, I think this view of laws does give rise to a puzzle that's at least analogous to the the puzzle of nomological harmony which in the paper we call the the puzzle of powers harmony which is why is it that the powerful properties at the initial conditions are harmoniously coordinated in such a way so as to induce temporal evolution Uh, so to give you kind of feel for what i mean you know suppose you know imagine a universe where there are just x's at the initial conditions and X's essentially have only the power to move nearby Y's, well, if there are no Y's around, then the stimulus conditions for, for, for these causal powers are not going to be satisfied, in which case the universe will be stillborn. Nothing interesting is going to happen. Or you know, suppose there are X's and Y's at the initial conditions, um, and X's have the power to move nearby Y's when they stand in some relativistic spatial relation, well, if the X's and Y's at the initial conditions find themselves in a Newtonian spatial arena rather than a relativistic spatial arena, then again, nothing's going to happen. We'll have a stillborn universe. So even on this powers-based conception of laws, it doesn't come for free that you will get kind of interesting temporal evolution. In order to get that, you need a harmonious coordination among the powerful properties exhibited in the universe. And like that, that just doesn't come for free. That's that's a kind of striking fact about the properties exhibited in our universe that they're harmoniously coordinated in such a way that they can like interact and in, 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 in induce temporal evolution of the universe. So the question is what explains that? Um, and and you know, in the paper we, we we consider a range of potential explanations, but the 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 explanation that I think is is most plausible is, Well, there's just something explanatorily prior to the initial conditions that explains why the various powerful properties present at the initial conditions would have this feature of being harmoniously coordinated in this way. And so, again, that's going to push us towards something prior to the universe, some kind of uh, third third factor prior to the initial conditions and laws of the universe that explains why there's a match. So, yeah, the, the basic thought is the powers view of of laws does explain nomological harmony as i initially characterized it but it it raises an analogous puzzle and the best explanation for that analogous puzzle is going to push us towards the kind of third factors that we we ultimately want to accept
0: okay i think i'm tracking with you um brian thank you so much for coming on today i really appreciate uh you and your time and all these interesting um puzzles you're helping people to explore and think about um what i'll do is i'll leave a link down below where people can follow and connect with you and whatnot uh but for people that are like interested in like nomological harmony like w- what do you recommend for them like reading or listening to to help them think about this even more well it's a very new topic i mean the the top yeah i mean the,
1: it's the the paper that that brad sod and i wrote it just very recently came out um and so this is so far the only, the only paper on the topic. Um, so the best thing to read would just be this, this paper that, that we wrote called The, the Problem of Nomological Harmony. It's, uh, I, I think it's technically forthcoming in Noose, but the, the online version is, is available. You can find it on my website or you can find it on philpapers.org. Um and yeah, you can follow out the, the references in, in, in that paper for literature that's that's at least somewhat uh, connected. But yeah, I mean there's th- th- this topic is kind of newly charted terrain. So our, our our paper would be
0: would be the thing to read if you're interested in this topic. And that's why I'm super excited about this is just a new area to explore and think about and whatnot. And hopefully um people listening do that i sure will be i sure will um and yeah that's that brian thank you so much for coming on today um i'll leave a link down below to your website where people can follow you connect with you things like that and yeah that's it everyone this is here apologetics i really appreciate you guys listening uh, if you value what we do please consider leaving a like subscribing all that fun stuff and you can become a patron if you want to do so at patreon.com so you apologetics but brian one last time thank you so much for coming on today i really appreciate you and your time yeah thanks for having me Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a good one and God bless. We'll catch you later.